Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Chelsea Podcast. It's me, Andy Saunders. I'm in charge this week. Kerry is uh, out and about, can't make it this week. But to join me in a fun-filled um, few uh, minutes, I guess we've got about 45 minutes of uh, fun-filled laughter and and uh, joyousness, is a uh, good friend of the podcast, been on it many times before, Mr. Robert Ray. How are you? Hello, I'm fine. And another good friend of the podcast, been on it many times before, uh, Naz Kinsella. Goal.com. Yeah. Like, I got it right this time. I've said it's ESPN in the past, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. First time you said ESPN and, um, I, you know, I, I, I was upset, but I'm the gift that keeps on giving like Craig Parson for Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, we've got one game to talk about this week, but I think I think we can talk quite a lot around the subject of Chelsea, can't we? It's been um, an interesting, difficult, slightly challenging uh, period for the club. We've come off the back of the international break. Uh, an international break that saw Callum Hudson-Odoi uh, achieve uh, some level of um, uh, superstardom. Of, well, yeah, of, 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 of I'm going to say visibility amongst the wider football fans after his performances uh, for England. But a game that uh, Maurizio Sarri apparently only watched 20 minutes of. And watched the bad 20 minutes as well, the first 20 minutes by the look of it. Right. Um, How do we feel about that? About Sarri only watching 20 minutes? Mm. Well, it was a bit of a bizarre admission. I mean, he could have caught the highlights... I mean, that wouldn't have been past him, would it? Surely. What do you think, Naz? Well, I have a view. I want to hear what your view is. Well, I just want a funny, funny point. He could have just Googled, you know, Hudson Adoy highlights, YouTube. You know, there'll be some kid putting it out there. He could have easily gone and seen those highlights, every little touch of the ball. Yeah. But, you know, I thought Jamie Carragher's assessment was spot on. This is a kid that Chelsea wants to keep at the club. This is a player that all the fans want to stay at the club and Sarri goes out and says that and it just sends out another negative message when this kid's contract expires. 
in, uh, it's, I think it's, what, it's 15 months that his contract expires and, and the manager comes out and says that. Not wholly positive uh, and it's just counterproductive and I, I think the manager should be um, towing the club line and, and helping them achieve their aims of renewing his contract and making sure he's not a Bayern Munich player in the future. Maybe he was only expecting Callum to play for 20 minutes because that's all he ever plays for Chelsea. <laughs> well, there is that. Is there a club line? I'd be, I'd be very surprised. He's not for sale. He's uh, not for sale. Doesn't seem to be any kind of club line on anything at the moment. My view on this is this, right? And it's just playing devil's ago. I've been thinking about this a lot. Sarri's Italian, right? And this is the English... That's, that's your line. Right? That's the... Uh, Sarri is Italian. He's an opinion. Italian, right? I'm just establishing that as a point of fact. And then you've got the English football team that we in England take quite seriously. Not me. I don't really care. I'm club over country every time. But I understand that a lot of people take it very seriously. Here's the English t- uh, football team playing essentially a Montenegrin pub team. Why would Sarri be that bothered about watching that? I mean, it's not, for him, there's no importance attached to it, right? I mean, there, is, there is a school of thought that says, I mean, Callum was very, very good once he switched to the left, but he's proved he's very, very good against teams of lower calibre anyway. It's more about whether he's good against... Premier League teams. Yeah, when he's playing Molvidi and Barte Barazov and and teams like that, he looks like a world beater. And he comes on, you know, after 80 minutes against a knackered pub team and looks brilliant. I mean, look, I'm playing devil's advocate because I I thought he played very well. I'm of the opinion that he should be playing more. You know, we've had, uh, you know, Sarri come out today and you were at the press conference today. He came out today and said that he would probably play in tomorrow. Is that right? Yeah. Q Daily Star headline, Callum Hudson-Odoi starts tomorrow. (laughs) That's not quite what he said, was it? Yeah, but um, it would be his first Premier League start, which a lot of people made a lot of the fact that he played more minutes for England than he had in the Premier League this season, which is absolutely true under Maurizio Sarri. But Sarri, he's not a fan of international football. He said he didn't even watch the World Cup, which I (laughs) find staggering. Like, it was so much fun, but Sarri doesn't watch football for fun. His idea of fun is different to ours. Didn't it, were they? And well, so yeah. that, that would, I mean, if England hadn't qualified, I wouldn't have watched much of it either, to be honest. Well, yeah, but I just think, just staggering, isn't it? Um, I think it's staggering but, that if you're a professional football manager, even on a recruitment level, you it don't, should be part of your yeah. job. You yes. don't really yes, want. I'm, I'm actually going to play some golf. He's just so honest. Just be a little bit, just be a little bit astute and just say, yes, Callum played well for England. Um, yeah, it was great l- achievement. Do you think he lacks a little bit of emotional intelligence or a little bit of empathy? Do you think there's something lacking in his psychological makeup there? Yeah, I think so. I think. I mean, you've you've seen him up close and personal, yeah. and do you, I mean, do you get a sense of empathy off him? I see him as a football geek. I think you get kind of like two kinds of managers. Some are like really well-rounded individuals. They're kind of charismatic, Mourinho, Conte types. There's a lot that they can talk about, and they're, they're rich, colourful individuals. But then you get the ones who are just absolutely obsessed with football, and, mm. and Sarri is absolutely in that. He's obsessed with his style of football, detail. Um, a, lot of, a lot of aspects of the game we, most people find really boring he obsesses over a bit like Arsene Wenger football is his life he has a dog and he, and he likes football and that's it there is a thing about sort of football geeks and we should know because I think we are actually football geeks ourselves mm. is that um, football geeks tend to quite like having contrary opinions to everybody else anyway so Part maybe that's yes yeah, so, so maybe fun. that's what he has maybe yeah. you know everybody thinks Hudson Adoy should play he thinks he's going to have a contrary opinion to it what was uh, his I'd, what was his uh, somebody said it must be very hard for you at the moment and he said I'm quite used to it but it's quite nice being in a job or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Is that, was that, that, that was that the, sort that of was gist the gist of it? yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think he has been getting he doesn't like doing the media appearances but a lot of the fans base their opinions off that so you and he has to be aware that you know they must know 
that the fans absolutely love Hudson Odoi. They're desperate to see a homegrown star come through. It's a symbol as much as it is. It's a symbol of an issue that's currently going on at Chelsea. We've been talking about it for years and years, and he should be astute enough to just try and say the right things. And uh, you know, over time, he's going to have to do the right things because um, even if he wins the Europa League and finishes in the top four, I think that. Um, there's still going to be pressure on him to do to play those local players, those young players as can well. He, well, that's the thing about the young players thing. I'm mean, sorry to interrupt. No, go Andy. ahead. Um, but the Hudson Odoi thing has now gone beyond that, hasn't it? It's gone beyond the symbolism of having a younger player or whether um, he's good enough to start. It's become imperative. However, however he plays and however we're playing. The fact is that the looming transfer ban means we need to make sure that he stays yeah. on board because we're going to need him next season and probably the season after if he'll sign. So we, we need to be in a position where we're pushing him to a place where he thinks he's going to play. Yeah. So that, it, that becomes the imperative rather than sort of, you know, how we finish this season. I mean, we're not going to win the league this season. We might win the Europa League, who knows? But with the, it's almost now more important to think about next season and how... Hudson and always is feeling about next season. If we go all the way through yeah. to the Europa League final, there's ten games left. Is that right? So I think yeah. there's seven league games and three. So that'll be three. No, there's uh, five five uh, European games. Yeah, 12. sorry, yeah. we're yeah. quarters now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah the quarters. Sorry, yes. So so yeah, so twelve games. So enough games to give him a run. Absolutely, um, He's eight, he can't be tired. He's eighteen for crying out yeah. loud. I mean, I understand the kind of well, he has the international break, and I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's an argument, I suppose, but. There is this almost stubborn refusal to kind of... It's like I'm being told to do it, so I'm not going to. That's the impression that you get. Maybe false, but that is the impression that you get. Is there any way he can rescue his relationship with the fans? Or is it terminal? I think it's gone. I, I do think, you know, Chelsea fans are actually quite patient. You know, we weren't patient with Benitez, but that's because we, we hated him from, from years past. But we were patient with, you know, when Mourinho's last season was going to pop, we, you know, we, we backed him and we backed him against the, the board and the team for, for quite a long time. Last six months of Conte yeah. was exactly. miserable. Um, but we, again, we, you know, nobody was booing Conte. The fact is we've had to put up with about, what is it, about five, six months of absolutely rubbish performances for mm. now. I mean, I, I, I can remember, I remember watching a game in November and thinking, oh, God, we've gone off the boil a bit and we haven't got back on the boil since then except in one or two games. Yeah. So six months of watching this absolute dross no, I think I think it's gone. I, th- I don't think he can survive. To be I've, I've got a question for you both, actually. Just a quick one that, like, um, like Rob was saying, is there a manager that the fans have gone against that has survived? Has ter- has, has changed the opinion? Because I've I've seen you know Chelsea fans um, being almost against the club and for the manager in a situation where you you're disagreeing. But has a manager survived when the fan opinions turn so badly against them? You know. Uh, can't think of one. I mean, I can certainly think when Gus Hiddink came in first time round, there was a certain amount of who's this bloke that's come in, and then of course we went on and won the FA Cup, and 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 he turned it around, and then was a you know there was an outpouring of you know we want you to stay, and I think the Chelsea fans are very good at kind of you know if somebody demonstrates their commitment and engagement with the club and the fans that the, the the fans react positively to that i think when you've got a toxic situation like rafael benitez which is all based on history and yeah. things said in the past and the fact that it looked like it was just a stepping stone on his cv and yeah. he was never really committed i think that's a problem avram grant i just think people felt that he wasn't good enough you know that he was very second rate um but you know i mean scolari 
uh, Ancelotti. They all got a fair shake, didn't they? When they I when think they so. came in, and I, and I can't think of a Chelsea manager who's turned it round once the fans have decided they've had enough. Mm. I can think of. I mean, the only thing I any manager outside Chelsea can think of who's done it is Ferguson at Man United. Mm. Yeah, who you know did have the crowd sort of baying for his um, season, dismissal, yeah. mm. and and then obviously became a, became a legend. Yeah, uh, but. I, I think it's very difficult. I think. I mean, Sarri seems to have made absolutely no effort to engage with the fans. You know, there's been no, not even kind of pantomime coming up and applauding the fans and throwing shirts into the crowd or saying mm-hmm. nice things in press conferences or you know praising the fans or doing any of that basic PR work that as a manager you have to do. Yeah. You know that you have to go out there on match of the day and basically say we've really let our fans down. We're very sorry about that. Yeah. But that basic stuff that you would do if you were a manager. You know, all the fans were magnificent tonight. He's never done that. He's never done any of that. He never comes over to the fans at the end of games. Even when we played well, you know, there's no sense of of him feeling any empathy with the fans. And I think that the fans are, well, if you don't feel any empathy with us, if, you don't, if you're not prepared to listen to, to us en masse and, and what we think, then I can't understand what the relationship is. And I think that's the problem with a, with a lot of Chelsea fans. They don't quite understand what the relationship is and that's turned it toxic. Mm. Yeah, because the football management has become a cult of personality. You look at Jurgen Klopp, he's probably one of the most successful managers in in sort of avoiding being scrutinised in a way because he's so popular with the the media, the fans, and he's such a big personality. It just buys him a little bit of breathing space when things don't go right or or if, if, you know, he's he's falling short, which he fell short for a long time. And look at managers like Sean Dyche. I mean, he's, you know, not managing the, the, you know, amazing results. I mean, they're looking, you know, very dodgy at the moment. I mean, they're certainly in that relegation battle nobody's calling for his head you know he's like you know a chest thumping I'm here for the club I'll do everything I can and people just buy into his commitment they buy into his his passion for the club there's no passion from Sarri there's no doesn't seem to be any commitment to us yeah. I don't know I, I mean I, th- I can live with a passionless manager it doesn't doesn't really bother me if you're winning what I cannot face from this is the just the boredom I, I, watching Chelsea at the moment is boring oh, it's, um, it's uh, passion is part of fun, though, isn't it? It's, every, it's part every, of the but fun. Every time, every, when you when you know the thing about being a football fan is when on match day, it's like you know we want to go. You know you, you, yeah. you build your whole day around it. You know everything builds up to it. Yeah. Nowadays, match day comes around. You're I'm like, well, loyalty, you know, should you, I? Should I really? Can I really be bothered? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to, going to the Brighton game tomorrow, but it's like. Um, you know, looking forward to it. We might win two one, might we, or something? <laughs> Who knows? I'm, 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 you know, the attraction of spending a, spending a night at home instead is is is, is quite a strong. I uh, it was Mother's Day on Sunday when we played Cardiff, and so I had my two grown up sons were back, you know, to have lunch with their mum, and we sat in the living room, we watched Cardiff on the TV, and we sat there in sullen silence for most of the game. My wife was reading the Sunday papers, and at one point during the sullen silence, she just looked up and very quietly went. You're terrible, aren't you? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, really awful. There's nothing to say about that. It was like, Chelsea are rubbish. Just rubbish. And it's like, there's just no, there's nothing there. There's no spark. There's no passion. There's no energy. And, you know, you can't blame the fans for turning around and going, give us something, something to rally behind, something to get behind. Yeah. Just take someone off at the knees if necessary. Just mm. give us something yeah. to get passionate that's, about. That's interesting. There's also, in the press conference, Dave Maurizio Sarri, I don't think a lot of people will be writing about this line, but he said the players in the Cardiff game, they sort of, 
it was an unusual way of winning. The players sort of went went on their own and sort of took the game by the scruff of the neck in the way they played. And it was a bit chaotic. It's, it was that sort of comeback where uh, you just you just throwing men forward. You sort of uh, you know there wasn't really that sort of systemic approach, which is like you know how he likes to play football with the tactical uh, system. So I thought that was quite interesting how they they turned around a game when they sort of abandoned what Maurizio Sarri wanted to do as well. Should we let, let's let's get stuck into the game yeah. then because we've had 15 minutes talking about the kind of systemic, you know, wider issues. Uh, obviously we played Cardiff away uh, on Sunday. Uh, Sarri left Hazard and the uh, up till now ever present Ingolo Kanté on the bench. Uh, so it was William and Pedro who flanked Gonzalo Higuain in attack and Mario Kovacic and Ross Barkley either side of Jorginho in midfield. No uh, sign of uh, Hudson-Odoi in the starting lineup again, which I think um, you know made people sit up and, and, and take notice. Kepper in goal, Aspi, Rudiger, Luis Alonso, Barkley, Jorginho, Kovacic, Pedro, Higuain, William. You know, I tweeted out when I when I saw that lineup. It's like, are we are we really surprised? Not um, at all. We weren't Not surprised, were we? I mean, I think that's the thing is that obviously this is a game that we would have liked to have seen Loftus Cheek, maybe Christensen, maybe Hudson Odoi, but it's the same old reliable eleven again. I mean, slightly surprised by dropping Azard because it's the sort of game where we've been playing Azard because it it allows him to be part of the sort of front three without um, without worrying too much about his defensive qualities. Um, but yes, it is. It's the same team. It's the same formation. It was the same style of play. Every, nothing about it was a surprise. And if it's not surprising us, it's hardly going to surprise the opposition manager either, is it? They know exactly how to counter it. And, and also Cardiff play a low block. You know, we, we, we bugger about with the ball around the kind of 25-yard line. You know, we knock it back, we knock it wide, we knock it back. You know, there's Iguain looked, you know, completely off the pace. He just looks lost. He looks as if he doesn't know what, he what's was, going on. He was dreadful, you know. Um, I'm not sure, though, that it's him or whether it's the, the system. I mean, after a point, after a bit, you have to think... Maybe it's not the players we keep putting in at centre forward. Maybe it's the fact that they've got no support whatsoever. They're expected to do things in the area by themselves. Yeah, and Al- Alvaro Morata is banging them in now in the commentary, isn't he? So after yeah. all that, it's just it just shows you there's something more. It is it is difficult to play as a striker at Chelsea. Well, I think you know being being a striker at Chelsea is all about confidence. But also, what I noticed was you know time and time again, Alonso would get down to the byline and smash the ball across, and it would go out for a throw in on the other side. Yeah. And it's like, why are you doing that? The one time that we got down to the byline and cut it back, suddenly looked like we had a chance. And if you look at what City do, and you look at what United do, they're constantly cutting the ball back. You know, it's picking out players on the edge of the box, arriving late, mixing it up. We have one one you know move, which is one Louise either pings the ball forward and hopes that somebody gets on the end of it, or Alonso or Azpilicueta try and cross one in that tends to go everybody's head and out for throwing. It's so predictable every time. I think the other thing as well, and again in this match, uh, once again we showed it, is when you see Liverpool attack or Man City attack, they overload the penalty area. Um, They'll throw throw an extra surprise um, player on the right Mm. who suddenly appears and knocks in a a goal from Mm. there or for Liverpool, Firmino suddenly sort of uh, appears out of nowhere and, 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 and there's a goal chance. We never, ever do that. Mm. And I thought it was interesting saying you mm. saying about sort of um, us changing the tactics in the last five minutes trying to get the goal. Mm. What got the goal was Ruben Loftus-Cheek suddenly appearing in the area. Arriving low. Yeah. And knocking it in. Yeah. And if you do that, if, you put, yeah. if, you're, if you're attacking with three or four players strung yeah. inside the box, not sitting on the edge of the box, yeah. you've got much, much more chance of scoring. You force their defence back... Yeah. Um, 
you're five yards away from goal or six yards away from goal rather than sort of 15 yards mm. away from goal, you're obviously going to have a better chance. Yeah. See, this is, this is where I don't really buy the, you know, the Sarius football genius nerd. I don't really buy that because if he was that detail-obsessed, if he was that aware of the nuances of the game, surely he would study Cardiff. Surely he would sit down and figure out where the opposition's weaknesses were and exploit them. To he, me, that... He, that... He, does, he, does, he, does, he does study them. He just... He just focuses on, and then you know, he just does the same thing. It feels like the same thing. There will be there will be slight tweaks. There will be tweaks in movement, but it will all be about keeping the ball on the floor. It will all be about possession. And I think the players are too preoccupied by the tactics. There's too many instructions. They're overthinking things. There's not that spark of randomness that you need sometimes to score a goal. You need somebody like Loftus Cheek. I think he's, you know, Loftus Cheek doesn't get picked very often. He doesn't get to start Premier League games because of his lack of defensive work because he doesn't rigidly follow what Sarri does. But that can be a strength in in these kind of games against lesser opposition. He's, a best, he's the best goal scorer. I would pick him every single time. Not I just would. because he's an English player. He's the only midfielder we've got who actively, well, apart from Hazard, obviously, who actively looks to take on defenders, mm. go past them, use his strength, get, you know, get them. He makes things happen. Um, Hudson Adoy does much the same thing, okay, in a different position. Um, and we seem not to like that. We seem to prefer players who are prepared to give and, give and go and pass it to the, yeah. the, the next available player. For, for God's sake, for sometimes, just do things, something on your own. Make something happen. Go past that defender and suddenly you've got space which you didn't have before. You don't need 11 of those players but you need a few. Yeah, look, I, you know, I, I think that's, you know, the other thing is, is is the Kante situation. Actually, for the first part of the season I was an advocate of playing Kante further up the field. I, I thought that he was doing a great job in winning the ball higher up the field and starting the press and in, in, in all that kind of, um, you know, all those kind of things which, which I felt were a good thing but now I'm starting to think, well... <sighs> Maybe we should just drop him back and stick some more attacking players to to move forward. I'm slightly, I'm, I'm getting frustrated now, and it's kind of clouding my judgment a little bit. Yeah. I've been able to be really dispassionate about it and sit back and go, I'm not going to get hysterical about it. I'm not going to start, you know, individual player blaming. I'm not going to start blaming the manager. Yeah. I'm going to try and be dispassionate about it. But I've got to the point now where I'm so frustrated watching us play every week that I'm thinking, what can we do to change this? Because the the, the point that you made about, you know, if they if, if if it's predictable, surely the opposition is seeing it's predictable. It's easy to manage against. It's easy to play against. Yeah, yeah. Cardiff are rubbish, let's be honest. They rubbish! Were, and they were rubbish on, yeah. on Sunday as well. Yeah. But they were able to work out how we passed the ball in the first half anyway. Yeah. So they sat on um, Jorginho so he couldn't do the short passing. They sat on Louise so he couldn't do the long passing. And they left Rudiger completely alone. Mm. Well, Rudy's a lovely, lovely defender, but he's not, he's not the player you want driving the, pitch forward, no. uh, the ball forward. So... If that's the case, if if you're if you if you've got two creative outlets and they're both both used up, then think of something else. There's got to be something else. Yeah. They are rubbish, Cardiff. They're, the only, they're only the third team in Premier League history to lose four consecutive moment uh, matches against a particular opponent, despite opening the scoring each time. But also we we've uh, we, yeah, that is we, us, isn't yeah, it? and we've um, and we uh, have. Uh, got uh, eight Premier League points from losing positions this year. Six of them have come against Cardiff. No, that's you not know, I mean, it's like they're rubbish, and we struggled against them. We made them look yeah. decent. Now I understand Neil Warnock getting upset, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. And we should come and talk about you know his histrionics, and you know, to a, to a degree, they're justified. I mean, he was two yards offside. That's been well, hilarious. Yeah, but it's, like, but you know. But it is ludicrous that he could come out and, and, and you know and, and have these histrionics when they're so terrible. Yeah. The weird thing was watching the, the the comparison against the game against Everton because it was very very similar. You know we we 
you know, we dominate possession but hardly ever shot on target first mm. half. They'd come straight out the second half and score with a set piece. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was like it was like a mirror, not a mirror image, it was an exact echo. Mm. Yeah, Camarasa scoring after 47 minutes, as yeah. you say. I mean, a decent goal. Yeah. I mean, he took it well, but, but no di- way the, we should have been in that position. The difference is, it. between the two games, is Everton are a halfway decent side and yeah. can keep us out and Cardiff yeah. aren't a halfway yeah, so decent side and fall, fell to pieces. If Chelsea played like that against a decent side, they would have lost. So it's as simple as that. They can't play like that, really too often this season probably not again maybe in the Europa League they get away with it but you know if they play like that this season they've got absolutely no chance of getting in the top four I think well, unless, unless we get a bit more help from the referees well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's not, let's that not was forget. a remarkable decision it, it was. was such a bad one yeah. it, you know, and, and let's not forget we came into this game on the back of four defeats in the last five away matches you know so listen let's uh, on, that, on that slightly sour note take a little break for an advert and we'll be back after this The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. And welcome back to uh, the uh, the Chelsea Chelsea podcast. We're discussing uh, Cardiff against Chelsea. Uh, it is a game we went on to win. Let's not forget. And uh, you know we did turn it around. There was a, as you say, a, a goal from Aspiliqueta that was two yards offside. But nevertheless, we got it back to uh, to one one. And then Ruben Loftus Cheek came on and made a difference and ended up scoring. Uh, you know, in the in the ninety second minute, I think. So yeah. you know, we, we won the game. Should we not give some credit for that? As I've made a lot of difference. I mean, that, that that was the right substitution. It shouldn't have been a substitution. He should have been on from the start. I mean, he came on reasonably early for Sarri. He came on after 53 minutes. Yeah. And once he started playing, once the gap started opening up, he was absolutely brilliant. And to be honest, by the end, we could have had four. Yeah. Um, we could have scored three in injury time, which mm. would have been ridiculous. But the there were seven goal. minutes of injury time, we must remember. It, it sounds like it was a, you know, like a last kick, but there were seven minutes of injury time. But so. that first goal was essential, though, wasn't it? Because you know when the first goal comes that it just sucks the life out of the, of the opposition and it gives you that sort of uh, emphasis to just go and take the second. And uh, mm. you see it so often in mm. football that the first is the hardest goal to score. So ask for the quitter. Great captain, you know, hero, um, steps up, gets the header, obviously he's offside, but William's hair blocks the view. How, how amazing is that? <laughs> His hair is fantastic. It, I mean, it had to be fair, though, the goal didn't come out of nothing. Mm. I mean, we had started to get on top. Yeah. Um, we, we won the corner because of a lovely move into the area. Um, you could say that it was coming, even if... It, even if Quite blatantly, it was you know an absolute steal. As Piliqueta, the fourteenth different player to score for Chelsea in the Premier League this season. Only Manchester United have had more different scorers uh, hey, in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it does show that's that a, that's a Spurs a Spurs honour, isn't it? Really, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's uh, you know, but it does show that you know, striker wise, we've been playing without a you know without a, a consistently goal scoring striker this season, um, and that's something that's got to be sorted out next year. Isn't yeah, it? we've been playing without a consistently goal scoring. Um, midfield since we lost to um, Costa. Costa yeah but also we haven't had any goals from midfield really yeah. so these goals are coming from the, the two guys either side you know from Loftus-Cheek when he comes on as a sub I think that was his uh, fourth Premier League goal of the season uh, one more than he managed in his previous 46 matches in the competition so yeah. you know he's scoring some goals but you know we're not getting 20 goals a season from a strike or you know or 20 goals a season from Frank Lampard so you know it, it, it is an issue isn't it or even yeah. the 10 from Marcus Alonso no exactly yeah. Or the five from John Terry. Yeah, well, <laughs> Gary Cahill scored eight the season that Chelsea won the league. So, 
you know. Yeah, there's some there's there's definitely a shortfall there. It's been a problem for Chelsea now for two years in a row. Um I think Higuain was obviously that guy who everyone hoped would step up and do the job. I think physically he's looking a bit off the pace. Uh, I think, you know, te- technically you see him on the ball, he's fantastic. He's He's been a brilliant world-class striker for years and years, but at least Chelsea haven't put the money down yet. So um, at least there's that sort of try before you buy uh, thing, well, thing the, going and on it, there. It, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think as well, when it comes to the system, you put Higuain within eight yards of the goal, then he'll he score goal. goals. But mm-hmm. the problem is the kind of, play that we're playing and not getting him into those poacher positions are they he's not been able to get across the front post I mean the one time he did against Fulham he scored you know and I think that and the, and the Huddersfield goal and the Huddersfield goal you know, yeah so you know when you put him in those positions six yard box he's an absolute ace but you know when you're asking him to play with his back to goal on the edge of the 18 yard box and lay if the ball Chelsea off Chelsea had an informed international striker somewhere if only they had <laughs> if only they had one <laughs> So what's the future hold for you know for the rest of the season then when where do we think this is going to this is going to end up The astonishing thing about this season is as bad as we've played and god we've been bad um we are one point off a, off a Champions League place. How does this even happen? I mean, I was, I was looking at the table thinking Arsenal, Spurs and Man United need to be absolutely ashamed of themselves that they're not sort of 10 points ahead of us. Well, Man United had a terrible start. Man United had an excuse. They were shit for half... Excuse me. Uh, they were very, very bad for half a season. Um, Arsenal have got an excuse because, hey, they're Arsenal. Spurs, I'm sorry, this was the, this was the season they were going to win the title. Uh, they're one point ahead of us and we have been atrocious they should be you know oh, well, they should they be out of sight played Liverpool on Sunday and, and lost in the last minute and the minute. fact is that, that none of them are out of sight we could still do this every time I think hey actually we could still do this of course we then you know it's the hope that kills you Robbie yeah exactly you yeah, know. Yeah. always it's, uh, it's the Bournemouth game or it's the Everton game or the or Leicester game or the, or the Newcastle yeah, game exactly yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm not holding out any hopes for the rest games. of the season yeah. uh, I think we might make I'd I'd be surprised if we didn't make the Europa League semi-finals. I'd be, uh, well, I'd be unhappy if we didn't reach the final. I can't see us beating Napoli, um, but we'll see. You beat Arsenal. Oh, we could, def- yeah. Well, actually, I say that, and then uh, you know they they trounced us last time they played us. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, Look, we we seem to be. I don't, to- I don't, I don't think I don't think this, the rest of the season has much promise. I think we're looking at next season. That's that's my. It's not. Point. It's not a. It's not. It's not a hard and fast rule. But we seem to have done better against teams that play football against us. You know, as opposed to teams that apply the low block and hit us on the counter. You know, that's where we've really struggled this season. Is is a team that sits deep and then manages to get a set piece or you know get into our box and hit us on the counter and that sucker punch that we've seen time and time again. Everton, mm. Cardiff. You know, they've they've done that to us. Uh, well, that's team- the thing. I mean, pre- Premier League managers aren't stupid. Not even you know, not even Neil Warnock. No, um, and they're perfectly capable of watching a game and working out how to beat us. But games where teams have come out of Spurs, uh, Man City, you know, when we've had those those big results have been when they've when they've played football against us, and we seem to our our discipline in those games and our ability to counter and our ability to get forward is good. You know, when, t- when teams want to take us on toe to toe, I think we can perform. So I don't have so Unless much it's of Man an, City at home. Of don't course. have so much of an issue. <laughs> yes, but Man City at our place. That's correct. You know, we yeah. we, we did really well, or even Man City in the Carabao Cup final. But I again, we were, in both, in both those Man City games, what we did was we played a defensive um, formation. Yeah. I mean, very, very anti, well, anti what Sarri's supposed to be about. But that's because teams were prepared to come at us, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, so, so Napoli, you know, those type of teams don't, particularly worry me so much because I think it'll be a football match I don't think it'll be a match of attrition I think the problem that, that Sarri has got is figuring out a plan B against teams that low block us 
You know, how do we do that? Man City seems to be able to do it. Liverpool seems to be able to do it. Arsenal seems to be able to do it. And United, they all seem to be able to do it. Yeah. It's to break teams down. that We don't seem to be able to do it. It's a problem that Mourinho had. It's a problem to a degree that Conte had in the last six months. It's a problem that Sarri has definitely had. It seems to be a Chelsea malaise that we cannot break teams down that low block us. I think Liverpool play much more on the break than, they do. than, they, than they're given credit for. Um, they don't certainly don't put loads of men in the box. Yeah, they play a very different way to Chelsea. I yeah. think that the Chelsea... They, Break fast. Chelsea are obviously predictable, which is a huge issue. And I think that, that in, in trying to learn this system, they've become really pedestrian, really yeah. lacking inspiration. I think they're just so preoccupied with... The players are so preoccupied with making the right movements all the time that they don't do anything random or anything different. you just that unexpected to find that space to get the goal. Um, you know, and the, the finished ability has been a, a problem forever. I don't, there's not really a Chelsea player who's consistently stuck the ball away in a Chelsea shirt for, for a long time. Um, Eden Hazard, He's, he's a good goal scorer, he's but he's a 15, get quite 15 goals a season. It's not right? enough to be a top scorer, is it? He's a 15 goal a season yeah. player, which is great. You know, yeah. of course, you wouldn't sneer at that. You know, Williams maybe a 10 goal a season player. Uh, you how know. many 15 goal a season players does Man City have? I know they're, well, exactly. they're setting the bar at a different level. I think, obviously, Chelsea's rivals, they're not so great. The, the four compete for the two spots. They're not great teams. They've all got their own little problems, but Chelsea have that negative factor that's the sort of they're seen as the most negative of course they're in sixth place now but there's this there is something a bit different about the way Chelsea are there there's a dissatisfaction at the overall style of play the way the clubs run the young players and stuff like that whereas you know when you look at Man United there's a hope for the future look at Spurs there's a hope for the future there's something to cling on to Arsenal as well with their new manager they're positive there's an underlying positivity even in a mediocre season um and for Ch- Chelsea could have had that, but I think it, it comes back to our topic in the, at the start of the show where it's just a case of, you know, the, the, the whole bigger picture at Chelsea is a bit more negative, even though on pitch they're getting points. So we're, we're sixth at the moment on 60 points. Uh, Man United and Tottenham Hotspur both have 61 in fifth and fourth, respectively. Arsenal uh, in third place have 63. So you're right, you know, we're, we're there or thereabouts. Yeah. You know, uh, they're all catchable for a team that's sort of able to sort of win six games you know, on we've the trot, got, which we aren't. We've yeah. got Brighton and West Ham, two home games coming up, which, you know, in, in, in any normal circumstances, you'd be confident going into those yeah. games. But, they need but to win knows? both. They need to win both. They do need to win both. It's, you know. it's gonna, the bar is still high, though, for top four. They're, the Chelsea have quite a few points, actually. Um, so there's not really much margin for error, I think. And um, they've got those two tough away games, Man United and Liverpool. Liverpool are going to be absolutely fighting for their lives and Man United are direct competitors. When was the last time we won... Two, three games on the trot. I can't remember. In the no, league, that's the that's the issue. They haven't yeah. won those kind of that kind of level since mm. pretty much October. Mm. We need to um, go on a run, and I, yeah. I, I don't think we're capable. If we win the, all our games, we'll end up on eighty-one points, yeah. which you know, which would, ought to be enough. It ought yeah. to be enough, you know. But, but we won't win all our games. But no. when there's a when Chelsea, yeah, you just can't believe in the run. There's no consistency. Even if Chelsea win, you're still going to the next game thinking, "Oh, this we have, could be." We bad. do have one cup final coming up, which is of course playing Liverpool to potentially make them lose the league, which would be yeah. amazing. I think if you said that to Chelsea fans, if your highlight of the season was ensuring that Liverpool didn't win the league, I'm sure a lot of Chelsea fans would take that. Yeah, I bit, would. I think, <laughs> I, I think a Chelsea team under, say, Mourinho. Three four years ago, it was capable was well, capable of doing that exactly. <laughs> it was capable of doing that. I'm not sure a Chelsea team under Sarri is capable of not at Anfield. 
summoning up the, the passion that's needed to keep Liverpool out. No. Uh, Chelsea did it with Spurs as well, didn't they? So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty... I think it would be a bit of a... It'd be something for the fans to cling on to, especially yeah. if Sarri used it to sort of show that well, passion Well, this is the well. thing, you know, if he was the kind of manager that, that yeah. could use that level of psychology to turn around and say, you want to get the fans on your side, this is the game yeah. to eviscerate Liverpool and, 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 and destroy their title hopes. You know, you will be loved. Mourinho but, did know, it with Mourinho Demba Mourinho would Bar. do that, you know. Mourinho did it with Demba Bar and Thomas Callas, so yeah. that's how <laughs> Incredible exactly. that was. We yeah. need to bring Denver Bar back Absolutely. for one game. Listen, one, I, I just want to uh, end up before we go on and, and have a little bit of a prediction about the um, the game tomorrow night and talk a little bit about Roman Abramovich and his sort of disappearance from I know, the Roman who? Sorry, where? Well, you know, obviously we know that he has visa issues. Obviously the, the British government refused him a visa uh, in retaliation, it seemed like, for some of the activities of the Russian government. The stadium bill was suddenly put on hold. Uh, Roman took Israeli citizenship. He's still allowed to come back to the UK for three months of the year, isn't he? And, and, and But he hasn't been at games. He hasn't participated. I'm wondering how much of a factor an absent owner, somebody who, you know, who does control the purse strings, somebody who does decide you know on 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 how much we're going to spend I'm, I'm wondering how much of a factor that's been he reminds me of a fan who you know when you're, you're younger and you you know you're, you get into your football for the first time and suddenly everything's you know really really important you've got to go to every match and and then suddenly it dies off a bit after about sort of 10 years i don't know you get you, you, you you're 15 16 you find out about girls whatever things other things become more important you're off to college whatever and football drops out of your life for a bit and then it comes back again. Obviously, you know, you just take just takes one game and you and you're back in it. And I think he's in that sort of he's 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 dropped out, but he's in his teenage years. He's he's discovered other things like you know sort of I don't know fine art and um, you know sort of a fifth wives or whatever it is he's he's he's, he's, um, he's into now. I think I think he he might come back, um, but I think at the moment we're suffering from that. I think we are suffering from his perceived lack of interest. Yeah, I think there's probably a leadership vacuum there, and um, we're you know Chelsea rely on Marina Granovskaya to run the club, but, but she really is ultimately answerable to Roman Abramovich. You see Chelsea as the Abramovich club. He he has been making the decisions, hiring and firing. I mean, of course, he's still watching Chelsea from wherever he is, from his yacht with his missiles mounted on top. There's a difference, top. isn't there? There's yeah. a difference in watching it on, on 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 your telly in your yacht, yeah. and actually being at the ground. There's, yeah. there's, there's, he, he doesn't ca- catch you in the same way. Would yeah. any other manager in the Roman Abramovich era have survived the level of performances that this team has put in under Sarri and is his absence an indication that you know Sarri Sarri's got away with it this year because he would have been so fired in a previous yeah but Sarri would have had better players so if he if he if Sarri came in and he had John Terry in defense Didier Drogba yeah okay it wouldn't it would have been different it was a different climate and context you know Chelsea wouldn't have Sarri in the first place if it was the, if it was that era the problem is Chelsea are on a steady slide and the bar's being set a little bit higher by other clubs Manchester City PSG the spending at those clubs is sovereign surpassing. wealth fund yeah know, spending. I, he's he's a rich guy but he's not top of the tree he's it's not good enough to be a billionaire yeah. these days is it I, I'm not sure that's true I mean I don't think you need to be absolute top of the tree to sort of yeah. the, to, to, to be the you know, to, sp- to spend your way to um, success. The thing with football is you can only put 11 players on the pitch at any one time. You can only have a squad that's, that's so big. Yeah. You can only spend, I mean, apart from sort of Manchester City's, you know, sort of um, dodgy dealing, yeah. there's only so much money you can actually, can actually spend because of the rules. 
I think it's, it's, it's how you spend the money. Yeah. I think he's less interested in how the money's spent. He's not so interested in but making marquee signings like Hazard anymore. And I think he has delegated a lot to... He may, he may be making the decisions, but a lot of it is still going, is going through Marina now. And I think Sarri's saving grace is that he doesn't annoy Marina. Yeah. Why did Conte go? Because he, anno- he annoyed her too much. He kept sort of um, demanding players and yeah. throwing strops. Sarri doesn't do that, so he gets, he gets more of a... a more, more, more room to. Yeah, Sarri's the right manager in many ways because he's not a transfer market manager. They've got the transfer ban coming up. They've known about that for a while, so they've they've been implementing that. They want a, play, a manager who improves the players steadily. Um, they want a manager who's not going to complain about transfers that are a, a bit lower level. But also, there's like you, you're, you're right, Rob. It's, it's a case of you know slowly building, but you need a long term vision. You need a vision that works. Players like Danny Drinkwater, players like you know uh, Bakayoko. Be anywhere near the Chelsea squad. They just. They just should never have been bought. And, and the Bakioko came in when Nathaniel Shalabar was breaking through. Every every player that fails from the academy, every player that fails to realise the potential, sends shockwaves down the chain. So the kids who are eighteen now, what are they thinking? They're mm. thinking the worst. So there needs to be a long term vision. There needs to be one or two sort of players just shining a light for the academy. There needs to be young players signed, like Pulisic is the right kind of player who could grow. Uh, but you need to sort of just keep. If Chelsea are going to work in this part of the market they need to have a vision and a long no, I reckon, I reckon you're right my worry is that in yeah. theory you're right but in, in practice Sarri hasn't improved a single player in the squad in fact yeah. he's made some of them demonstrably worse in the and sun. he hasn't appointed and he hasn't brought on the youth products um, I mean he says he has but he, he really has sort of um, I think yeah, structured their growth I rather agree. than brought them on in the summer Sarri leaves takes Jorginho and Iguain with him to Roma Frank Lampard comes takes over the Chelsea managership, starts playing young players. Do we then go into next season with renewed hope and vigour? Are we prepared to sacrifice a title-winning season to develop the club in, into a new vision? In theory, yes. Are uh, our I, fans patient enough to, <laughs> to settle for sixth or seventh next season while you know a new manager develops a new identity for the club? Now, in theory, yes. In practice, I'm not so sure. But the, I think it's not so much... Um, if, if you could be seen to be... Playing good football, entertaining football, attacking football, um, which I, by which I don't mean sort of you know ninety eight percent possession. I actually mean sort of attacking and trying to score. Then I think you know, the fans would give you a couple of seasons to to uh, to, to try and develop. But you know as well as I do that whenever we lose any game, there is a meltdown, oh, you know, and, and the world has ended and Twitter, you know, sets on fire. Um, you know, so we're not a club with fans that like losing or tolerate losing, mm. you know, and if you bring a player like uh, a manager like Frank Lampard in and say, develop the youth, chances are you're going to lose some football matches. Yeah. So it's going to take a big cultural shift after... Mm. You know, 19 years of success, uh, sorry, uh, you know, since 2005, um, you know, 14 years of success to, you know, to really, um, you know, change the cultural viewpoint of the club, isn't it? Speaking for myself, I'd accept it. I would as well. But only if the football isn't boring. I can't stand another season of this. I would have, I would have not accepted it maybe two or three years ago because we were an elite club in Europe and there was no reason to accept it. But I think we're not an elite club in Europe anymore. I think we're, we're a club that, has, as you quite rightly said, are, have, have slid down the rankings a little bit yeah. and we need to regroup, refocus, recalibrate and reboot. Yeah, it's really hard to climb back up those rungs that Chelsea have, have sort of fallen down. It's getting harder and harder. It's, it's, we, know that, we know that UEFA have sort of set in stone... 
a sort of elite club group. And if Chelsea are falling down that, it gets really hard to come back. And what Sarri says is right, that uh, he needs time. He needs he need, Any manager needs time. They need time to get through this. But it might just be that Sarri's not the right one. At some point, Chelsea have to put their finger on a guy and say, OK, we're sticking with this guy no matter what. It's Frank well, Lampard, but, right? I think you've but got, I think you've might got not to. Be you've, you've either got that strategy, which looks yeah. like the one we, we, we were going to go to, because you're right, we are yeah. on that. Conte was supposed to be that guy or as well. you do what Real Madrid do, and you stay at the top, and you, you sack your manager every two seasons, and you, and you just you just stay there by keeping on buying... Well, we, we did players. that, didn't we, for 10 years? We and did, we, and, and it worked. I don't think that's going to happen now, so I think it's got to be the other way. I think it's got to be it's got to be sticking with somebody, and I think it doesn't really matter what the fans say, because the club can always go against the fans to a certain extent, and you know, if it and the fans are always going to be completely divided as well, so if Lampard's sixth, some fans will be like, it's brilliant, we love Lampard, we love him, Like he's playing the youth, Jody Morris is his assistant, it's, it's wonderful, we can still enjoy it, we love going to the games. Maybe some fans online will be complaining, but Chelsea are going to have to pick a side, and they're going to have to pick the right side. I think the only way they can do it is by going down that route, and I really think that Frank Lampard's the right man for the job. Is he a good manager? I mean, I've seen Derby play... I saw them play a couple of their cup games and they look great mm. against the, the Premier League teams. I saw them play a championship game mm. and I was I was shocked how bad they were. Yeah, they, they have been bad lately. They lost Mason Mount and really struggled there. Chelsea Loney, but I think that... You know, Solskjaer showed you that having a club man in could could be good. It, you know, you need a figurehead. You need somebody who knows their football as well underneath. Um, you know, Steve Holland type might be a good sort of figure as well. But just bringing something like that together might be what Chelsea needs right now. Let me ask you a question. Okay, Rob, Frank Lampard in the summer, sacrifice the season, let him rebuild, play the youth. Happy with that? Works for me. Nice. I don't know. I mean, it depends what you expect, but I've not. I can't. I can't stick my neck out there. I'd be happy either way. I'd like to see what Sari would produce after another year. It could be calamitous, but he thinks that with pre-season, with the end of this season, Chelsea will be a different team next season, and uh, it'd be quite. It'd be quite interesting to see how that would turn out. Interesting. Okay, yeah. uh, let's wrap this week's edition up with a, a look to head to tomorrow night. We're playing Brighton and Hove Albion in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. I mean, on paper, this is a fairly straightforward task, but given recent weeks, maybe not so. Uh, my prediction is 90% possession, three shots on target, we win 1-0. Sounds pretty standard. Exactly the same, 1-0. 1-0, same possession. Brighton, stick it out. Chelsea just about nick it. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm going to go 1-0 as well because uh, Kerry doesn't like us choosing the same result but I, I think it's, it's just written that it's going to be 1-0 it'll be a really boring game it'll be 90 minutes we won't get back but we'll come out of it with three points and we'll move forward to the West Ham game uh, on Monday uh, the only other alternative is we, we, we nick a goal early on and Brighton fall to pieces and we do, we, we do them like we did Huddersfield yeah it's not going to happen it's not going to happen I think, yeah, I think <laughs> it depends when they score well, it depends Hudson Adoy plays uh, I'm thinking yes I think he might. Yeah, I do. I think as he well. might get his start. I think so. Well, that that would give us all a a nice little boost. Anyway, we're all going to the game, presumably. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let, winner. Let, let's hope that we can go there and enjoy it and enjoy. Unless I get a better offer, of course. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get another Brexit offer, maybe. There's, there's another vote, isn't there? Oh, there is another vote, which, I'm, which I think I'm unless they because you the are just to, for our listeners, you are a Mr. BBC. I am you, Mr. BBC. And you, I've missed. Quite a lot of the Brexit votes just through um, uh, luck and circumstance and the way the rotors work. All right. um, tomorrow I'm on an early shift um, and I think the vote is in the evening, so I'm going to miss it. Oh, that's a shame. 
<laughs> gutted. Absolutely gutted. Listen, lovely to have you here, Robert Ray, uh, Naz Kinsella, as always. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that wasn't more of a sort of happy and upbeat uh, podcast, but, you know, these are challenging times and we've got to talk about it. Let's hope that by this time next week we've got uh, six points in the bag or I think actually our podcast next week is on Monday, so before the West Ham game. But let's hope we've got three points in the, in the bag and we're feeling positive about the game that night. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.